Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard and welcome to Season 3 of the One Giant Mind Podcast. In this episode, I have the great pleasure of chatting with Bish. He uh, described the experience of having night terrors and sleep paralysis and uh, inquired more deeply based on a discussion that we had not too long ago about what, what this was, in fact, and the relevance of it and how, how best to um, manage this experience. And in this episode, I share my perspective. If you're somebody that has these experiences, I think you'll find it very helpful. And for those of you who don't, probably very fascinating. Enjoy. Hi, Bish. Hi, Johnny. Thank you for having me. Um, Such a pleasure. So I'm interested in talking about something you touched on in Group Med on Thursday, Mm -hmm. about the sleep state, because it's something that affects me occasionally as I suffer from night terrors. Oh, really? Sleep paralysis. Um, So I wanted your thoughts on why this might occur, because mine could be quite scary. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm so aware that I'm in this terrifying dream that the only thing I can do is kind of scream to get myself out of it mm-hmm. um so yeah your thoughts on why that might happen and if there is anything that i can do in terms of a meditative practice mm. in order to gain a bit of control during that because i know it's linked with lucid dreaming which can be quite playful yeah if it's themed nicely mm-hmm. yeah so can you describe what you did define as night terrors just be a bad dream that I'm having not sure why they're very unrepetitive and a lot of the time I can't remember what was happening but yeah it's quite a terrifying experience Mm -hmm. and you just wake up feeling in a in a terrible panic Mm -hmm. and how long does it take you to settle down afterwards it varies right sometimes it's easy half an hour or Sometimes I might be awake until the morning. Right. And how often? What are the frequencies of these things? Um, They've slowed down as of recently, but I could have them maybe two or three nights a week. Right. They slowed down a little bit before I started meditating. Okay. Um, And for example, my housemate said he heard me three nights ago, but I don't remember any experience. Okay. So... It's my understanding that the dream state is a, a place inside of our consciousness, an interface that enables us to process and metabolize unmetabolized experiences. And then once we've sufficiently established the experience of ourself, that is to say we have established being and we've all, if you've listened to the podcast, heard me talk about being on a number of occasions the the deeper truth of who we are a knowingness of who we are that is present always witnessing the experience that we're having once we've established that then the dream state starts to take on other sort of functions of integrating our unmetabolized past but with greater context to who we are who we actually are and so in the absence of being, dream state is about just laundering and then 
as we get deeper and establish ourselves, we are simultaneously laundering in our dream state, but we are also integrating and learning. REM becomes a place in which we discover and explore ourselves in a more abstract way. The description of night terrors, which I've heard, heard described as that by a number of people, seems to me, you know, I, know, I, do, I try not to speak in absolutes about it, but it seems to me to be the process or the processing of deep traumas that the conscious mind has no access to because it's terrifying. And the immune system plays a big role in the way in which our subconscious is structured. And our subconscious is there as a mechanism to protect the conscious mind of things that it believes the conscious mind being whatever it is that we define as ourself, the ego structure, the ideas of who we think we are, are not capable of fully dealing with what it is that we're carrying around. And so by rule of thumb, as a law of nature, we must launder what we're carrying around at a certain point in time. There is an expiry date, a shelf life for stress. At some point, it must be thrown out. We can only carry it around for so long. And there are, my guess is, experiences that you've had. Now, this, this model also extends beyond the idea that this is your only life. That we carry into this life traumas from previous lives. And it may have been your most previous life, or it may have been a life previ previous to that, or it may have been a culmination particularly if they're not themed. So consider that what is permeating into the subconscious awareness, which is what the mind has access to in dream state, and why we find it very difficult to remember a lot of what goes on in our dreams is because it's playing out in the subconscious on a, on a more surface layer of our subconscious. And sometimes it can be projected all the way into our conscious mind and we can remember very vividly the experience that we had as if it was an experience we had with our eyes open. Sometimes dreams can be that real. And that's why sometimes they can be that terrifying because it feels that real. And so the big question is, well, where is this content being generated from? And the, the, the dream state is just doing its job of playing out scenarios in story that enables you to create release. And what's really important post-night terror, if we're going to call it that, is to sit, move into your heart, affirm your power, affirm there's no danger, affirm that that was a dream and that something is being released and more space is being created and that this process is not to be feared. And thank you, immune system, for, for having the intelligence to realize that I am now capable of releasing this stuff. I'm strong and I'm capable. And, you know, we've got to digest what we're chewing on. You know, our nervous systems are chewing on some pretty rubbery, hard stuff. <laughs> and some of it's hard to get through. 
But the great inescapable truth of this existence is that, you know, whatever we've got in us, we must process. There's no fast tracking. There's no spiritual bulimia. There's no way of making ourselves throw up what we've eaten, what what we've ingested. And we just need to process it. And that's what's happening. And what can you do to continue alleviating and lessening the impact of that? Continue meditating. Continue affirming the truth of who you are in the, in the present moment, coming back into your heart. Continuing to affirm that you have nothing to fear. Be curious about if you have any memory of the dreams, what it was that you were afraid of. And call upon it in your waking state and sit with it if you feel as though you can. This is for you specifically. This is where I become non-prescriptive. I'm to everybody. This is not general advice. This is to you specifically. There are those that have had traumas that are pervading their dream state that they may not necessarily be ready or willing to, to sit by themselves at least and confront what's happened. Sometimes people, we need help with that. And if you feel like you need help with that, then you should seek help with that. And that's a really smart thing to do. Very, very wise thing to do. And live with the spirit of your capability. I'm capable. I'm strong. These are intense experiences and I'm okay. If in fact you are okay. I have slowly come to terms with it and just accepted that it's part of my now sleeping pattern. It's happening for like maybe the last six or seven years. Mm. At the beginning it was very, very intense and very terrifying afterwards. But yeah, kind of just accepted that that is Mm. part of my sleep now. Yeah. Do you recall an event that may have triggered this? No. Mm-hmm. It's often the way. Yeah. That's my advice. Mm-hmm. It's subtle, but it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And that advice, by the way, can be applied to pretty much everything. Eyes closed, eyes open, whatever. Anything that is troubling, that feels like it's... Including anxiety... Yeah, we we confront the thing that we feel anxious about, and then affirm that we have great power to to deal with that. Just demonstrating to ourselves our capability. It it renders the the terror and the fear and the energy, the charge that we're carrying, it pales in in size and impact. It's not. It's not significant. Becomes less and less significant and impactful. Is that helpful? Yeah, absolutely. Thank Mm -hmm. you. You're welcome. Um, And then I would ask if, because I have this capability to be aware during my dreams, that, as I said at the beginning, the lucid dream can be quite playful. Mm -hmm. How do I gain control, maybe, of turning it into that eventually in the bad dreams yeah I think that that'll be a natural occurrence if it needs to happen Mm -hmm. 
There's a lot of people that invest a lot of time in there in cultivating the capacity to have lucid dreaming. And I just think that there is other ways that we can be exercising our consciousness to yield a more desirable outcome. Namely, you know, meditating, cultivating intimate awareness of how it is we react versus respond to life investigating the theme in that deliberately and intentfully letting go of that and affirming our beauty and our power cultivating greater sensitivity and awareness the needs of others making ourselves available deliberately cultivating these things are you going to yield a far greater outcome than perhaps taking a lucid dreaming course and preoccupying yourself with with what I would equate to, you know, working out how to open up the dumpster bin, the big bin, and jump in and play around in there. Our dream state is the dream state and we have access to it to the, to the degree that we do for a reason. Just trust the body's intelligence to reveal to you what you need when you need it just listen and if the if the need is to be more awake in your dreams then that i think will naturally occur particularly if there's a natural tendency to be there mm-hmm. i wouldn't go as far as encouraging you to 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 cultivate greater awareness in your dream state i'd encourage you to cultivate greater awareness in your waking state that's where it's at yeah. thank you you're welcome appreciate it yeah thank you for taking some time to listen to the one giant mind podcast if you're somebody that hasn't yet got a regular meditation practice one giant mind offers a couple of ways in which you can make that happen right now you can go to onegiantmind.com and have a look at our teacher directory we've got hundreds of teachers around the world teaching the one giant mind being technique both in person and online And if for whatever reason you're unable to get to one of those courses, you could download our free Learn to Meditate app. It's called One Giant Mind. It's got a 12-step course that'll get you started. And if you're already a regular meditator and feel deeply called to bring this beautiful practice into the world, we strongly encourage you to check out our One Giant Mind Teacher Training Academy. We train passionate meditators to become powerful leaders in their community equipped with tools to empower others to know themselves very intimately. We teach a powerful process of how to run a meditation course and facilitate the building and growing of a community. And we would love to welcome you into our global family of teachers. A special thanks to our show producer, Daniel Tucker, a.k.a. Spiritual Trady, our music composer, the one and only Ali Liberman and all of the One Giant Mind team.